Captain's Log, Stardate 75344.5. We have returned to Lone Star Station and await crews from multiple California-class vessels. Among them are some friends that have expressed a desire to explore temporal mechanics. It is my sincere hope that the Department of Temporal Investigations doesn't catch wind of this. This episode of These the Voyages is dedicated to Carpe Diem. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for this little romp through the cosmos um, are my two friends, my other two friends, not David and Eric. They're, you know, cleaning out some thing on the station. Uh, my good friend, Melissa, and my good friend, Nat. How are you two doing? Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. You're welcome. Doing well. Hanging in there. Good, good. Everybody's happy. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah so uh, Melissa and Nat are um, are some friends that I met through um, another fandom um, and it's just kind of like exploded from there in terms of like how often we chat I, I swear I have to like turn off my notifications because of how many messages and chat rooms that we're in um, just so I get a little Damn bit it. of sanity <laughs> I know I know and they, they are on the other side of the alpha quadrant um, in, mm -hmm. uh, in a land far, far away from here, uh, far from Lone Star Station. So um, how have y'all's weeks been? How, how have y'all been doing? Melissa, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> Just being a mom and working and dealing with teenagers and work and teenagers and work. <laughs> so um, nice. I own an, my own studio uh, where I do cosplay and I make maps and um, so I've been fulfilling a lot of orders and working on something for you and working on something for Nat and working on something for Sheriston. So <laughs> we're doing big, <laughs> lots and lots of sewing and painting and creativity. So, yeah, yeah. so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Melissa actually made me a, um, this gorgeous, like handmade map of Rohan and, um, earlier this year. And. Um, I actually got it specially matted and framed, and it's in my living room, and um, it's it's just absolutely gorgeous. So um, I'll give you a chance to plug your your creative stuff a little bit later in the show, but um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. You do some really great work, Melissa. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Nat? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good. I've just been really busy, um, as you know, with uh, grad school and whatnot. Grad school. Um. <laughs> I thought that I um, could do anything, so here we are. Um, I, yeah, so just, you know, kind of honestly don't have a life at all. Um, at all. <laughs> no? Um, <laughs> I don't. Um, so I'm pretty much just, you know, um, every day, literally, just in class, studying, doing homework, doing assignments, doing what I got to do, and... Um, and uh, occasionally, quote, quote, <laughs> talking to you guys, even though that's literally every day. That's quite so literally really, every day. There's nothing occasionally about so, it. <laughs> I'm so mad at you because I was like, why is it that I never get anything in response from freaking Chase, you know? And so now <laughs> I know. So 
God damn it, Jason. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't real I didn't so I feel really dumb. Like I knew that you could like mute like conversations. I didn't know you could mute the entire app until like just a few <laughs> days ago. And I'm like, this is a game changer, man. Like whenever I have to go to sleep at night, like <laughs> Yeah. Cuz like oh, you know like we're all in like different time zones whenever we're chatting with each other. So it's like yeah. midnight for me and it's like the freaking witching <laughs> hour for y'all. I mean, you're doing just fine. I mean, <laughs> 9 p.m. when it's midnight for you or something or something like, like that. Yeah. yeah. That's me yeah, and, yeah. and Nat's like go time. We're like let's talk about let's... everything and anything. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, asleep. Literally. Everyone's asleep yeah, like out like something. Like I get, I get up in the middle of the night, um, you know, mm -hmm. to change, uh, change diapers and stuff like that. And I like look, and I'm like, it's it's like two a.m. and they're like still chatting. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> like it's two a.m. for yeah. me, right? It's not two a.m. for y'all. No, um, yeah. And then like somewhere in the other side of the world, pals like waking up. <laughs> yeah, and then we have yeah. the Germans and who uh, who wake up. They chat all night while we're asleep just between them two. <laughs> right. and then we have like a, and then we have another person in Australia and then we have another person in New Zealand and then we have a bunch of people on the East Coast and yeah. then wow. it's me and Nat on the West Coast. We don't really have anybody we're, else with us. <laughs> we're still like, you know, still awake going. and not <laughs> sleeping at all. We're just talking about stupid stuff. So, yeah. So here's the thing that I think is like, a little humorous and I don't know how technology works on my phone completely but you know I, I turn on do not disturb at night so like if I need like certain people like to get a hold of me they can like it'll get through like the silence and everything but for some reason I don't understand this and someone with greater wisdom and smarts than myself <laughs> can probably explain this but whenever I'm taking my kiddos to daycare in the morning I turn off the do not disturb because we listen to Spotify uh, to whatever the kids want to listen to on the way to school. But then I swear, oh my gosh, I get like a night's worth of dings that just like come in quick succession. <laughs> quick succession. Whenever at, whenever I turn it off and we're like trying to listen to like, you know, the Rocketeer or we're trying to listen to like Vampirina or whatever it is on the way to school. And then we're in the middle of a song. We're in the middle of a song and like one of y'all or you know one of our other friends just starts messaging so then like there's this like major delay with the song and then when it's just about to start playing again someone else dings so there's like this quick succession of like song delays or so I'm like mute you know, for an hour mute for an hour it's 200 <laughs> unread messages exactly <laughs> Well, um, now we know, you know, everybody's true colors are coming out tonight, so, um... <laughs> Don't worry, none, none of this will be in the Gosh, episode. Chase, so judgmental. <laughs> just kidding, no. Yeah. Oh, that's goodness, just, goodness, uh, goodness. That's, that's, those things, those 200 things are literally us reminding you how much we uh, love you, Chase, so... Oh, okay, well, well, thank you, Nat, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are well, here well. to annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this episode is just off to a wonderful start. I'm loving it so much. This is great. This is great. So much love. So much love. All the love. Oh, we good gravy. Well, um, I'm glad that y'all had a pretty decent week. I've been um, uh, for those in those in listener land. I've been like dealing with some crazy um, like allergies like the last few days. Like I don't know about y'all, but like. 
Um, a mm-hmm. week ago, my wife and even my kiddos, they ha- were having some severe allergies. And um, this week, it's my turn, apparently. And I've been, I was essentially in the same set of pajamas, didn't change my clothes pretty much all weekend. Just hold up, just doing nothing, eating panda and uh, <laughs> watching <laughs> movies, basically. Um, that's about oh. it. And uh, uh, other than that, have either, I, I was talking about this on um, a recent episode, but have either of you ever watched or at least heard of the show Yellowstone by chance on, uh, I think it's Paramount Network? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do either of you watch it? No. I <laughs> didn't watch the new season yet. It just started. So right, last I don't, week. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed it, but I just, I like never have time for TV. So, no. So we discovered this, this uh, show. Um, and I, I swear I don't get royalties. I talked about this like last time, but like I don't get royalties mm. talking about it. And I wish <laughs> I did sometimes. Um, need a different podcast. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't need another podcast. I don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we discovered this show, uh, I want to say like late summer, early fall, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was on, it's on, you only stream it on Peacock. We don't have like cable mm-hmm. or anything like that. And uh, started watching it and just started like binging the heck out of it. I mean, there's only like 30 episodes, so like it's really easy to binge. And it's like Dallas, like the, the, the show Dallas meets, um, I'm trying to think what else it would meet. Just like, like, a Western, like a, it's a, it's a Neo Western yeah. and it's got Kevin Costner in it. Anyway, like we, oh. uh, we wanted to rewatch it before the new season dropped and we yeah. finally did. We finally did a rewatch and. Um, just watched the season four premiere and woo, Laurie. Oh man. What a it's horrible nuts. family. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't watch when I think of it. I what mean, a horrible family. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm looking it up right now. That's, yeah. Real time. Good. Real time looking it up That's on the fly. I am because I've never seen it. Use your Google. It's amazing. You'd probably really I love like Kevin Conn. I love Kevin Costner though, but I'm a huge fan. I, I think we were just talking about this like what yesterday or two days ago, like um, about how we grew up like watching westerns because of our boomer dads and like, <laughs> and, like you know, just, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, just like that that nostalgic like you know. So, um, well, the the thing that's back the thing that I think is interesting in a way is you know my my dad lo- absolutely loved. Shows like, you know, Gunsmoke, um, Bonanza, yeah. uh, like The Rifleman, uh, even Little House on the Prairie. Um, like, I love that show. Yeah. <laughs> well, yep. so uh, Michael Landon, who played uh, Joe mm-hmm. Cartwright mm-hmm. Um, in Bonanza, and uh, Charles Ingalls in mm-hmm. um, Little House on the Prairie, his daughter, mm-hmm. Jen Landon, uh, mm-hmm. plays one of the characters on Yellowstone. So it's kind of yeah. cool having oh. like this um, like okay. Landon connection, okay. like yeah. who has like such a tie to Westerns for, of yesteryear that's, being in this, yeah. this neo-Western is kind of cool. That's dope. That's I have dope. all these like little Westerns I watched <clears throat> that nobody else watched. Like mm-hmm. um, I watched like Dr. Quinn, Medicine yeah. Woman, and I just binged the mm-hmm. whole series again because I love it so much. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. that show so much. And then mm-hmm. we were also raised on watching John Wayne was a big mm-hmm. thing. Nice. And the character that's in Yellowstone that Kevin Costner plays reminds me a lot of okay. like McClintock. You know? Okay. So, yeah. He's so funny story. <laughs> so you wouldn't know this. Um, 
one of my wife's uh, former instructors in college mm-hmm. um, taught dance. Okay, my wife got mm-hmm. um, a dance degree in college. Um, mm-hmm. And one of her instructors was actually called Dr. Quinn. So instead of Dr. Quinn, you know, medicine woman, it was Dr. Quinn, dancing woman. And she totally owned it. Totally. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. That I love Jane Seymour and she like inspired me as like a teenage girl. I was like, I can do that too. (laughs) (laughs) And then like 10 years later, destruction and chaos. (laughs) No more Dr. Quinn healing people or anything like that. No, we got shortly after I got into all that you see here as far as Lord of the Rings. So I kind of forgot about it until I saw it on Prime. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I need to check that out. For people in listener land, let me describe it to you. She's got this gorgeous map behind her (laughs) head. And then she has a freaking armory over her right shoulder. So, um, so of, don't of don't swords. try to break into her house because she'll fucking kick you. She will touch you. I am she no man. <laughs> so. goodness, goodness, goodness. Did you make that map, by the way? You did, right? That's yeah, I did that for myself. That's my map. Oh, dang. Is it like all Middle Earth? Uh, no, it's it's no? just well, it's focus. All Middle Earth is Arda, but this is just the, where the the journey from from uh, the Shire down into Mordor so um but yeah I wanted that that's my favorite part is how far they went and all the little time yeah so technically like speaking on that like how long do you guys think it took them because I don't even like how long do you think it took them to like go from the Shire to um, oh that I think that was nine uh, months nine months was it nine nine months months? (laughs) as far as I know yeah, because was, they stayed a, a month at 18, Rivendell. It was an eighteen-month round trip. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's a year and a day. So it took them nine months to get through everything because they were delayed in Rivendell. They were delayed again because uh, they got captured by the Rangers of Athelion and they got brought almost to Gondor. And then so there was a lot of off-tracking, and then then the Houses of Healing and all that, and then they were split up. So it's a lot of different things. But it's a year and a month to the day. That they left the Shire, that they came back to the Shire. So it was basically a nine-month journey there, and then a three-month journey home. Welcome to the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, yeah, that's our, that's how we met, by the way. That's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything, but yeah, uh, you said you wanted to talk to us about how we came into. Quite the- possibly, quite possibly, yes, I do. Um, you know, that's a good segue. You know, like with. With Star Trek, it was originally um, pitched as Wagon Train to the Stars, which was um, this old uh, Western on on back in the day. So um, I guess it just makes sense for us to kind of like use this Western stuff to kind of continue talking about Star Trek. Now, we'll eventually get to the content of, you know, what this episode name is. Um, But I haven't like had a chance to really talk to y'all much about star trek for y'all in terms of like how how you got into it how you were exposed to it if you're Mm -hmm. even in it at all um (laughs) so uh uh is there anyone that would like to start first either melissa Melissa, yeah i feel like (laughs) melissa has a lot of history with star trek so i i I want her to take Take your time please um i first (laughs) with christmas coming up um 
I first, my, I remember being very small and then my dad had a, um, you know, like the NCC 1701 ship, the next generation ship ornament plugged into our Christmas tree and it would light up and it had all the, the you know, the beacons and all that. And you'd press a button and you would hear engage or something like that, you know, and I always thought it was really cool. I was like always pressing the button and my dad's like, stop. And I'm like, why does it say that? You know, I'm picturing like Santa Claus and his sleigh, like telling his like Rudolph engage. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it said a lot of, like it had like phaser and cannon fire and like, you know, like it had a uh, like the voice of uh, data on there, um, you know, saying interesting or, or or like quizzical or whatever he used to say. And then, um, you know, and then you hear Picard and then you would hear, you know, number one, then you'd hear, you know, like Dr. Crusher. And I was always like, I was absolutely in love with, <laughs> with Riker. I was absolutely in love with him. And um, so the first episode I watched, um, I was uh, just about turned turned about turned ten years old, and uh, my dad started us with the old Star Trek series, you know, um, the first one that ever came out. Um, and I was like, "Well, this is dumb," you know. <laughs> my first thing sure. was really stupid, and it's so sixties, and uh, William Shatner's really weird, and that's all I could think to that's myself. True. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I I don't know, but um, I really like Leonard Nimoy. I loved him so much. And I was just like, he's the only character I like. And I would go around and like pretend I was a Vulcan and like raise my eyebrow at my friends. I'm like, hmm, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, I really wanted to find out how to do the Vulcan like neck grab. I was like, oh, how do you knock somebody out? And I was trying I have five little brothers. I was like, okay, you're next. So we're gonna try this on you. <laughs> And uh, I got in trouble, um, but <laughs> no biggie. My dad finally was like, "Okay, we're gonna start this one now," and we had the VHS of the first generation. And I remember this is before DVDs, and we had just gotten a new projector TV. Ooh, you know, it was a flat screen <laughs> and um, a new sound system. My dad was really into surround sound, and so we had wires strewn across our living room, and he we. <laughs> all excited and um and he did in the lights and we watched first like the first season of first generation uh when i was 11 and i was hooked after that and um so it followed up with deep space nine and voyager and um and then enterprise and um so we went through all those together my dad's a huge star trek fan he's also a lord of the rings fan he's the same person that got me into lord of the rings so nice yeah, and so we actually grew our Christmas tree ornaments. We have 23 Star Trek ornaments that go on our Let's family. Let's go. Tree That's awesome. <laughs> so, and they all plug into the lights. They all make noise and they all, you know. Wow. Wow. Look, I'm just saying if I'm just saying if you are ever looking to foster to adopt with someone, I'm your Huckleberry, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. If you die, can I have those ornaments? <laughs> <laughs> can you put them in your will for me? <laughs> Technical difficulties, you guys kind of froze up. Oh, oh. or did you freeze up? Yeah. It could have been me. I just have a thing. Is a... <laughs> Chase? <laughs> so oh my. He's like, well, we're entering into unknown, uh, you know, 
atmosphere. It's okay. So. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like that friend that you have in, in school. It's like, hey man, if you die, can I have your stereo? <laughs> wow, that's not very, that's very like what nineties stereo. <laughs> that's that's not vague at all, right? I, I smell. My dad passed down these ornaments to all of his kids. So I have like five and then my brother has five. My other brother has five. Oh, that's really cool. Nice. And then we got the cooler new ones. Now we're done. Oh, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> one that flies, it, he hooks on the top of the tree and yeah. it's, yeah, it's the next um, generation ship and it literally flies around the top of the tree. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, man. The, uh, the start, uh, I think it was the Star Trek shop um, at StarTrek.com just, mm-hmm. I think they re-released um, an awning topper, or maybe it's brand new. I don't know, but it's got the uh, the, the the Starfleet Delta, and it's got the Kirk's uh, 1701 Enterprise. So it's got four of the Starfleet Deltas um, mm-hmm. with the Enterprise on top of it for a tree topper, which is kind of cool. Aww. Yeah, I, I was just about oh. to get my stuff out of the. <gasps> oh, that That's is really cool. So, cool. so I have. Yeah, I have some Yay. ornaments myself. Um, Commander Trip Tucker from Enterprise. I have the um, the Galileo shuttlecraft from the original Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have that one. Yeah. Case I, I and of course, I would have. I. I mean, I wasn't. Riker. Of course, you do. I mean, I wasn't. You're the only person I know that would possibly <laughs> collect those. <laughs> besides <laughs> Melissa's dad. <laughs> well, like you know, I I'm like. I, as you know, you guys, I'm a mutt, so I kind of didn't really have the Christmas ever, so I don't have any Christmas ornaments or trees okay. or anything. <laughs> so my Jewish mother uh, doesn't approve of such blasphemies. But um, <laughs> all right, but coming out strong, I, love it. <laughs> but I, I definitely. Um, you know, I plan on uh, doing that sometime soon when I move away from, you know, her uh, her realm. So. Mm. You're going to come up here at the beginning of December and we're going to go chop down. A OK, and you're awesome. Gonna- yes. You're going to go my, all Clark uh, Griswold on it. My <laughs> my Jewish ancestors would absolutely love that. <laughs> my, uh, my dad used to get a blank um, Christmas hook be like oh yeah here's your uh, klingon bird of prey and cloaking oh oh i'm gonna one-up you on that one melissa okay so um <laughs> about a month month and a half ago i posted on um the show's twitter that i got um some new ink and um i i, I was like got some new ink it's Whoa. It, yeah man <laughs> That's pretty dope, dude. I, I was I was feeling I was feeling pretty honorable, and I wanted to give glory to the Klingon Empire, so I have a cloaked, a cloaked, uh, I have a cloaked um, That's ship. So cool. And uh, anyway. That's so cool, bro. I would be like, oh, I'm, it's it's Frodo wearing the ring or something. <laughs> I tattooed the ring on my arm. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell? Totally. Well, I know I know what I'm going to be getting a uh, nat for Christmas. Hey, oh. Good old Star Trek ornament. Okay, well, just to I mean. get the collection. <laughs> Melissa got me a, a ornament as well. I think last year, and it's just I made hanging that on. It's, yeah. I, you guys, like, I am so like, I don't even know 
like what to do with it. So it's just hanging on my wall <laughs> like, all year round. Fantastic. <laughs> a little mini tree, like a desk tree. Yeah. I know. I've been meaning to do that, but like it's still kind of weird for me. It's like, I'm like, why? I mean, I have plants, right? Isn't that the same thing? I don't know. So. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as long as I have that oxygen going on, I'm good. <laughs> oh, gracious, gracious. You well, can get a rose anyway. plant and it looks just like a Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. So. I don't believe in Mary, but cool. Thanks. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Um, this is what we so talk about my story. <laughs> so yeah, how about your story, Nat? All right, guys. Um, so I don't really have a story. I know you're probably like, "Why is she on the show?" Absolutely, like, I, I get it. But so what ha happened was, <laughs> <laughs> so my okay. So I actually just found this out recently. But like, I saw I saw my my mom. And by the way, I'm sorry for my crazy West Coast accent. I'm very. I grew up on the beach. I'm from. I'm not sorry. <laughs> California. <laughs> so you know, I I can get kind of um, you know, uh, annoying sometimes with my accent. But um, so. I just found out my parents uh, were watching Star Trek uh, like the other day on one of those like in between channels like well and I don't know if, if Melissa I think Melissa would be more familiar with it but we have like this weird like in between channel it's like between yeah. channel five point something and five <laughs> it's weird and like they always have like these reruns and one of the shows that they have a lot of reruns for is Star Trek of course but like the yeah. original series and um so my parents like watch that channel a lot because my dad gets to watch a lot of his old school like westerns through there too um because we don't have on demand um we do by the way but um they're boomers so um <laughs> so, like, so they they were watching star trek and i was like oh my god you guys are watching star trek like what like what what is this right and then they're like oh yeah we um we've always liked star trek and i'm like really like are you sure? Because I didn't know this until now. And my dad's like, yeah, um, I grew up watching it. And we were like talking about it. And I'm like, how did how did I not know about this? Right. Um, because I, I actually I've always watched Star Trek growing up. I mean, especially like Deep Space Nine, like I me and my sister, we grew up on like Stargate and like watching and I think we had this conversation as well, like just all those like sci-fi shows in the 90s up to like the early 2000s and um so i was familiar with it i just i was never like i don't know i guess um crazy about it like chases you know? <laughs> but like <laughs> but i definitely <laughs> <laughs> but i definitely um loved it you know i watched it a lot i was i very familiar with it in all types of ways and I get really excited anytime I see like Leonard Nimoy or anything that has to do especially when I see um and I just found this out actually <laughs> so did you guys know that um the mask that um what's his name yes um, I did know this by the way yes okay uh what's his name the slasher Michael uh, My Michael yeah, Michael, Michael Myers, Myers. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's William Shatner yeah it's Captain <laughs> Kirk yeah it's a Captain Kirk mask is it is it i don't even remember is it yeah. what's his name though 
William, William Shatner. Shatner. No, no, no. My, the the slasher that I'm talking about. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Oh, I was right. Gosh. Okay. So him and um, I didn't know that. And my dad, my dad uses before I did. So I thought that was really interesting too. So anyway, but um, yeah, good old Bill that, Shatner so. wasn't too excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just thought that, that was really funny. Um, it's considering that that movie came out, you know, in the seventies. So I just thought that that was pretty, you know, funny. But I also thought it was interesting. And my dad, I mean, well, of course he knew that, you know, um, that was his era. Um, but um, so yeah. So anyway, but like now, I sometimes on occasion, like I'll catch them watching it, and then I'll just sit and watch it with them. So you know, but I definitely got into it a lot more with the new movie series. So, um, you know, I really like Chris Pine and I really like, you know, his his interpretation of Captain Kirk. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, some people might disagree, but I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool thing to like get newer generations into it again. And um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, that's that's the thing that we talk about on the show quite a bit. You know, whenever we're um, especially like when we're covering um, new episodes as they're coming out, um, even when we like go back and like talk about like movies or, or whatever it might be at the time, we, I mean, we give everyone a fair shake. We give, we're, we're, we're equal opportunity offenders from time to time uh, when it comes to, to the different iterations of Star Trek. And that's the thing, like, I'm not here to yuck anyone else's yum. Um, like I'm not here to be a gatekeeper or anything like that. You know, like I don't care how someone gets into Star Trek, like enjoy it be glad that you enjoy it. And then, you know, if that gets you to go back to watch, you know, Kirk or Picard mm-hmm. or Janeway, Cisco, Archer, whoever. Yeah. Great. I don't care. I'm just glad that you're in the fandom. Like, welcome, welcome to the party, everyone. Like, that's all mm-hmm. I care about. And you're going to have, you're going to have like the, the old guard. You're going to have the gatekeepers. They're going to be like, that's <laughs> not Star Trek. Yeah. How dare mm-hmm. you like that? Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I get that. I totally get that. Cause I feel the same way with Lord of the Rings. Like I'm, I got into Lord of the Rings um, in uh, grade school. So I read The Hobbit without even knowing what the heck I was reading, um, like in fourth, fifth grade. And from then on, like, I've just been very protective of it. So for a long time, I was like, why would anybody try and like remake or do a TV show about the Lord of the Rings? Goodness, goodness, goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, that's the thing, like, you know, however, you, like I said, however you get in, just come on in, enjoy yourself and don't worry about the naysayers that say that yeah. that's not Trek um, or that's not yeah. Lord of the Rings or, or Tolkien <laughs> or that's not Stargate or whatever. Star Wars uh, was a big thing too. Star Wars. Oh my yeah. gosh. Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of gatekeeping yeah. that happened there. Yeah. And you know, me and my buddy, David, um, you, I think you two know David Fogel. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we, talk books all the time and he runs his own star wars podcast and he comes on and does episode reviews with me and we've been on each other's shows and we've kind of talked about like how toxic it can get like with the fandom um and newsflash it's okay to like star wars and star trek at the same time it's like it's completely fine in fact my bookshelf my bookshelf that (laughs) I mean, y'all in listener land can't yeah. see it, but y'all here can see like this particular bookshelf is all Star Wars books and mm-hmm. I have a lightsaber and mm-hmm. um, a Cal Kestis action figure. I have multiple Ahsoka Tano things throughout the house just because 
Ahsoka Tano yeah. is amazing, by the way. <laughs> Newsflash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. Yeah, I think it just because people are so passionate about it. And uh, yeah. because it does, for me at least, um, it holds a special place in my imagination. It, it is an escape for yeah. so many people from the realities of harsh human life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also shows up possibilities. Like what my favorite Star Trek movie is honestly First Contact that was right behind you. That's my favorite, favorite Star Trek movie. Me too. And and um, it just because it's so like it, it could happen. You know, Vulcans could land here if we get this thing happening and get, you know, light light yeah. uh, speed off the ground. And, and yeah. we're approaching that. You know, you see that with with current space travel and what's happening with uh, SpaceX, and you see a lot of things like progressing that way. Yeah. And we're, I'm like, I'm getting excited. I'm like, are we gonna have Vulcan? Like, you know, like, you I know. know, that would be so dope. Well, the thing, well something <laughs> yeah. else that's kind of cool in that same vein, in that same vein, I don't know if y'all know this, but um, there's, oh, what's the name of it? Don't space on this. No pun intended. Um, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's. Um, like project artemis or something like that i think Mm -hmm. is what it's called anyways it's this um it's this plan that nasa has with um it's like a three or four tiered plan uh for Mm -hmm. like the next 10 to 15 years i want to say to where they're going to essentially build a lunar colony on the on the moon and Mm -hmm. from there (laughs) it's going to be a launching point to go from the moon to mars so yeah. it's so in our lifetime we could actually we could actually see observe real human beings on the surface of Mars which is absolutely crazy like I I, I remember I, like I remember as a kid like mm-hmm. just hearing how impossible it would be like I just remember like mm-hmm. in science class people saying uh, my teacher saying it would take 8 <laughs> years 8 years with our mm-hmm. current technology to get from the earth to Mars, so it would be essentially a lifetime journey to get there and back again. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so Melissa, like you were saying um, about First Contact, like it obviously it is it's my favorite movie, and yeah. people have heard me talk about it. I've talked about it on other people's shows. I've seen First Contact. I want. I think it's definitely over two hundred times, like without yeah. exaggeration. I've. I, I love. I'm not that much, but but close. <laughs> I love First Contact so much. She's like, you're a psychopath. I'm not. <laughs> Welcome to the Psychopath Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh We're all God. a little um, bit crazy. <laughs> but like, here's here's the thing. Like, with sci-fi, with just like movies and fandoms in general, it doesn't matter like what it is. Whether it is Star Trek, it's Lord of the Rings, it's mm-hmm. Star Wars, Stargate. Disney something or another. There's something about these stories that give us an opportunity to escape um, Mm -hmm. into some other world that perhaps we want to be a part of, or it gives us an appreciation for the world that we live in because we're like, oh Lord, no, I do not want to be part of that world at all. Um, For no, no thank you type of thing. And and I've said this way too many times on this show, um, especially in the beginning, but I think really good storytelling, especially really good sci-fi, gets you to think about things um, 
and not only think about things, but think about things from a new perspective, from a new vantage point. And it gets mm-hmm. you to, to consider things that maybe you hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. And um, when it, it's, it's not one of those um, bonky on the head kind of things, like I think a lot of shows do now, sci-fi included, um, they, they do a lot of bonky on the head storytelling um, where there are agendas, regardless of what the agenda is, um, that's very plain instead of kind of like um, having the, the, the pill kind of like covered in sugar like you would have like back in the day with old school storytelling. And yeah. um, I guess leading into the content, kind of segueing into that, I was watching this episode that we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. Uh, I've seen this episode, I can't tell you how many times. And I remember watching it um, just recently. And I, I, I think I called you up, I messaged y'all, whatever I did. And I was like, hey, I need to talk to you all about this. Um, and that's this, this episode, Past Tense, from um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And it just like rocked my world um, because, um, well, well, we'll talk about that. But I think that this story in particular um, can really shed light on some things that not only have happened, but things that are currently happening and things that will potentially continue to happen. And this is just a good critique of how we can approach it. So um, before we get like too in the weeds with um, like details and notes that y'all might have, um, just kind of give me like a cursory idea of like your thoughts when I first approached you about wanting to talk about this particular episode. Let's start with you, Nat. Oh, she froze up again. That's that's glad on. (laughs) (laughs) Right when she goes to speak, it's like no. (laughs) Well, we can go. We can start with you, Melissa. Um, I knew exactly which ones you were talking about, um, because it had come up in a list of, um. Oh, is she back? I don't think she's back. Um, but um, there was a list of episodes that I decided to just kind of mark that were like important to me. And so um, what that was to, well, there's three kind of, uh, cause there's one kind of later on in that series. Um, but um, I remember watching that Gosh, I must have been in my early 20s. I'm 39 now, so this is probably like 20 years ago. And sure. so, and um, so I remember watching it and how much it made an impact on me because I'm like, well, that's not too far off. I'll be 45 when that happens, you know. That's I remember thinking that, and I'm approaching 40 now, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like 2024. That's crazy, you know. And I remember thinking that, and that's what brought me back to the fact that my birthday was coming and I was like, oh gosh, I remember all these episodes I was thinking about at that time in my 20s. And um, and I was like, I think that's the one with, you know, the cities and and then, you know, Dax is is schmoozing the the rich guy, you know? And, right, right. And, yeah, and so um, I just remember thinking, you know, what, uh, a poignant story that this person, whoever, obviously there's a few writers that wrote that, um, um, 
just this time it, it almost like prophecy in a way it was very right. strange yeah and and so i was i remember watching it back then i kind of forgot about it for a while and then as soon as it popped up i was like oh i forgot so i actually watched it and then like a few weeks later you're like hey can you guys watch this episode <laughs> and i was like i already watched the first one so <laughs> i hadn't gotten to the second one yet so um i was actually going to bring it up in that chat that we're in and be like listen like you guys should you remember this episode like you know like and then i was like because we're in that one chat and and i was like okay well maybe um they've seen it or you know i don't i don't know who's into deep space nine and and i talked to my dad about it and my dad was like yep <laughs> and just wait For sure. so that's kind of where um my thoughts were on it it was just kind of like all kind of came together in a providence type thing very timely like serendipitous yeah. in a way yeah so i watched it and it was so mind-blowing like i think when i i told i actually told you know um my friend alex about it and i was like i told him like you should watch it so that we can discuss it as well because i just i just was so mind blown like just not just only what was happening in the episode but also like the time frame of it you right because it's like <laughs> it's 2024 is around the corner you know and um and which is it's just it was just mind-blowing honestly like i I, I wrote I wrote so many notes. Like I was literally pausing like the episodes every couple of minutes, just trying to like really comprehend what was happening within that universe, you know. So it was it's just so crazy. So I'm really glad that you told us because honestly, like I think I mentioned this on our chat group too, where I was like, you know, um, I sometimes I feel like at some point, you know, somebody knew that this was gonna happen and they like wrote an episode about it and it was like foreshadowing for what was gonna happen yeah. now. And like, I think we get a lot of those types of um, TV shows too. I, this is not the only show that does that, you know, cause I've, I feel like I've seen like a, a, a recurrent theme, you know, that has a lot to do with what's going on today in our society. And it's just, it's almost too scary, you know, to think about <laughs> like who wrote right. these episodes, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. like, I know um, not to, not to derail us too much, but even uh, like, the Simpsons, like the Simpsons, they somehow predict with like a scary amount of accuracy, a lot of like things that are taking place in our, in our world, both now and in, well, really in the future. Um, so, so yeah, when, when I was watch when I watched this, um, the, I think it was like the very first time I watched this, the, the lens that I was kind of watching it through was someone that used to live in Dallas and living in Dallas, you can't go to a gas station. You can't go anywhere without a homeless person, without someone panhandling you, um, trying to get something, um, like even pumping gas, like they come right up and get all up in your face. Um, and sometimes we'll get hostile with you. Um, oh, yeah. at least that's how it was when I was living in Dallas. I don't live in Dallas anymore. Uh, it's like which, that here too. Which was, it, it, I mean, it wasn't like the reason, but it was a contributing reason, you know, for us to move back to um, the Fort Worth side of things um, after a while. But 
so like that that was like the main thing like i wasn't like thinking too much about like california i wasn't thinking too much about like this 2024 thing um at all uh, i was like oh well, that's that's pretty close yeah we're gonna be we're gonna be there pretty soon i wasn't thinking that at all um i was just thinking like man like homeless people man this is a problem we gotta do something about the ho- homeless population um issue and then i watched it again like years later you know just recently and i was just completely blown away just because of everything that we've been dealing with currently in our world with like the global pandemic and like the everything that we've had to deal with as as a result of that um, and everything that's come from that and how people are responding and just what we're seeing in terms of like jobs and how we interact with people and how things are progressing and it was just like it was almost too on the nose and part of the reason I wanted y'all to come on and talk about this is you're in California for crying out loud and that's where it's taking place in this story and um, I wanted to get like a perspective from someone that's there that's also my friends that I can have an honest conversation with about this kind of stuff so mm-hmm. I know you have notes we can go wherever the heck we want to go with this mm-hmm. um, so however we, however we want to start that's fine well I, I kind of want Melissa to start because Melissa um, she's, she's been li- living in the NorCal area for a long time um, so I feel like her her personal experience is probably a little more valuable than mine just because I'm from SoCal well, I'm in the, the capital city, um, about 11 miles from the capital city. Um, and I've lived in California my whole life. I'm originally from Southern California. I was born in San Diego. Um, my parents were transferred to Hawaii and then they were transferred up north and I haven't left since. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> beat me up, Scotty. Um, <laughs> for real. <laughs> um, I've lived here most of my life, um, like I said, and I don't want to anymore. And there is nothing, I don't think there's nothing more displacing than wanting, having a home, having somewhere that you love. I love California. I love the actual land state, um, the bureaucracy and the government's a whole nother thing. But you can go to the beach in an hour and a half, or you can go skiing in an hour. I can go to South Lake Tahoe. It's an hour and a half drive from my house. I can go to San Francisco. It's a two hour drive from my house. Um, I can go down, visit Nat. It's a six hour drive. I can go up north to Oregon. It's a six hour drive. Um, It's very, very diverse and the things that you can do. It's a beautiful state. However, um, it's the most expensive place probably on the planet to live. And um, being a single mom, having three children and um, one who's a new adult who I'm still responsible for um, in a single income, it's impossible here to make a living. It's impossible. Um, If I go a little bit above my income, they're going to tax me to death. If I stay at my income, I still qualify for like, like local and state help. I don't use it because I work hard and I don't want to be dependent but I could use those. And, um, but I see 
the downslope of how it was when I was a kid. My parents were having this conversation. They bought their house in 1993 for 116,000. It's a five bedroom, three bathroom house in the Bay Area of California. Um, it sold last, I think it was like two and a half weeks ago for uh, close to $750,000. Um, wow. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's in a little town called Fairfield. And um, I was flabbergasted. And I was like, how, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's, it's a Fairfield, you know? Um, and anybody who's listening, if they're from Northern California or the Bay Area, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, we live in a society where there's either either very high income or you're poor. And um, in California, there is no middle class anymore. Um, and if there is, it's a very slight line where you can't rise above or they knock you down um, or you get lucky and you can pass into that six figure income. Um, and for me, watching how society and ideals and democracy or whatever you want to call it has changed California for the worse. Um, I am by no means like a staunch, I'm not Republican at all, I'm nor am I a Democrat. Um, I'm right in the middle and I can see how both sides have their decisions and the lawmaking have really impacted our state. And the fact that um, we have very hypocritical leaders, whether you agree with them or not, and um, their decisions have caused massive, massive issues, including a, a housing crisis on proportions I've never seen. Um, we have homeless people literally camping on the corner, of, like down the street from my house um, in a creek. And they've been there for months. We have wow. uh, squatters and houses that haven't sold. Um, we have uh, my aunt just moved to Tennessee and she's disabled and she was not able to pack up her whole house. She only could take with her what she could being a disabled person with who's also taking care of children. Um, she had to leave everything behind and her house was a complete disaster area. And my uncle passed away in that house and she just sold it for close to $600,000. So, yeah. Um, and I'm talking like needs massive repairs, not walls knocked down, what there's water damage, there's damage from animals. Like it was uh it was pretty bad. And she was able to sell it to an investor for six hundred grand, you know. So um and that's the north side of Sacramento. And so we have a lot of uh policies and things in place here that many, many Californians don't agree with. Unfortunately, the most populous areas in California are blue and the less populous areas are red. We don't really have a balance here. Um, and uh, everybody knows California is a blue state. It will never turn red. And the people who are red are leaving and um, in droves. And um, the richer are only getting richer and the poor are only getting poorer. And there's no affordable housing. There's nothing here for people who um, the wait list for any type of housing assistance is two years long. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been on that list because I could really like affordable housing. <laughs> I just like, I live in a three bedroom, one bathroom apartment and, and it takes two thirds of my income to live here. And so, um, 
me even having um, two degrees and making as much money as I do, I'm still strapped at the end of every month because my little like 1100 square foot apartment is taking everything. And so it's just kind of like, but at the same time, it's heart wrenching to think of leaving my home state. So, so I mean, what I'm what I'm hearing you you describe, Melissa, is yes, it's it is 100% heartbreaking. Oh yeah, um, and and exceedingly frustrating that you have to experience that on a day by day basis living there. Um, for for you and and like your situation yeah. and like just how it is where, yeah. where you live. Um, but I'm also hearing like there are sounds like there's quite a few parallels between lived experience of you and the story that yes. past tense is telling. It's I was watching this and you can see, you know, because they, they start putting people away from others. We've had this happen in the past history of the United States where people were put into camps like the Japanese during like World War II. Um, we have mandates in place. Um, we have things in place that are going to split society, whether you agree with being getting the shot or the jab or whatever or not, we're still going to have that divide that happens here in, in the state um, just because it's so polarized towards one side of things um, that people are not willing to hear both sides of the argument. And um, me personally, I am vaccinated. I did that because I chose, I thought that was the best move for me. But if I hadn't been and someone came in and tried to force me to do it, I would not do it. And not just because, oh, I don't care about people around me. I do, I really do. Um, I would just take other measures to keep them safe rather than expose them to me. Um, however, um, you see people shutting down restaurants in LA. You can't eat inside of a restaurant unless you're vaccinated. In San Francisco, they shut down an In-N-Out Burger because they weren't checking people's vaccination cards. Um, it's becoming very uh, very divided in more than just a political way. You have uh, you have the, the division because of vaccination. You have the division because of income. Um, I've seen people who were just in apartments, like a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment in the middle of Sacramento will cost you about $1,800 a month. Um, and people are being, being evicted now because the eviction moratoriums are up. Um, and they can't afford their rent because rents are skyrocketing. Um, and not one person that I know that's within my income range can afford to, to rent a house, much less buy one. So the <laughs> one, one thing I want to, I want to touch on, um, like with, with the housing thing, the closest mm -hmm. that, um, myself and my wife, I think ever came to something like that was. Uh, it was our, our first little apartment together that we had when we lived in uh, West Texas. We lived in uh, Midland, Texas, where there's more dirt and pump jacks than there are people out there. <laughs> and the the apartment that we lived in, I think it was like it was like eight nine hundred square feet, something like mm -hmm. that. And I think we were paying oh, I don't know, like maybe nine hundred something bucks a month for our our apartment, which is I mean for for Midland. That was really affordable. Yeah. Um, and we found out that um, before our lease was going to renew, like they told us like, hey, th if you're going to renew, this is what's going to be. And we're going to go to market value, which was going to be more than double yeah. uh, for our apartment. So um, <laughs> it was going to be like 1900 
a month, almost two grand a month for a little 900 square foot apartment. And we're like, that's a little ridiculous. Um, especially, I mean, with everything that was going on in Midland at the time, um, like we felt like we were, we were getting a good deal because people could not find places to live. Like you had, like the oil workers were renting like rooms at the Holiday Inn months at a time because it was cheaper to rent a hotel room than it was to get an mm-hmm. apartment or try and buy a house. Heck, even get like a travel trailer to live out of. So um, I know it's not it's not exactly the same thing, but the frustration was still there nonetheless. Oh yeah, um, it's highly frustrating, especially when you go to school. I went to school for a very long time. I have two different uh, bachelor's degrees with a focus degree. Um, and with the job that I'm at, it allows me flexibility because I do have kids. So I do have to be there for them. I have to pick them up from school. I have to drop them off at school. So my boss is very giving that way. But in the state of California, you also don't have, um, you don't really have a lot of rights as a tenant. And um, tenant law here is very murky area. Um, as far as my, I can only speak for my landlords, they're slumlords. They won't fix anything. They won't do anything they're supposed to. Um, we have a gate that's wide open. We have homeless people coming here and breaking our cars all the time. Like the crime rates are higher. We've had at least four or five catalytic converters taken off our cars. Um, um, my um, my son's father was here watching him the other night and um, was missing a bag and he just forgot to lock his car and I found his stuff in the creek next to our house um, and just his gym bag and uh, there was nothing of value in it but um, you know it's just you can't you can't just be safe for a moment here anymore the crime rates are rates are astronomical um, and for someone like me it's hard just to get up and move I have other I have my children's father Who's here i can't just get up and leave you know and um unless he goes with me or allows me to um there is a lot of um back and forth with um trying to to talk to the bureaucracy or the government to try and get them to understand where we're coming from and then we also have a ton of illegal immigrant immigration that comes into our state and these people are in desperate need of jobs and health care and so much money is being poured into to that that um, the housing market is completely being ignored. And there's a lot of things that are being focused on that don't need to be focused on. And we have a governor who literally lets anybody out of prison for any reason, really. And that maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but we have violent criminals back on the street within a day. Um, uh, no, that's that's not an exaggeration at all. Um, yeah. Y'all don't know this about me, but my. Um, one of my uncles, um, I never got to know him. Um, I was, I was alive. I was five when it happened. So I, I mean, I lived in Texas. He lived in San Francisco. Uh, so I never really knew him, but, um, he was a pastor at a church in, um, San Francisco and he was murdered at the church and the people that, um, that murdered him, uh, were actually, they were supposed to have a life sentence, but they were somehow eligible for parole. And yeah. so my, my family had to my, I, not my, well, my family, but my aunt and my, uh, my cousin 
And his younger sister, who was born after her father died, by the way, um, mm-hmm. had to relive that whole trial all over again mm-hmm. to try and make a case to keep them in prison. So I understand what you're saying um, with that. Um, I want to I want to pause for a second with you, Melissa, and and come over to Nat and get some of your your thoughts about like this particular episode and kind of viewing it from the perspective of yeah, I live here, and and just like some of like the takes that you were having from it. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to let Melissa talk because um, I feel like considering that she lives like literally there <laughs> in San Francisco, uh, not in San Francisco, but you know, like she said a few minutes away from it. Um, you know, it's, it's a scary thought, especially being a single mom and having kids. I just felt like that was very, I felt like it was more relevant to like, you know, the, the families that were um, brought up in the episode or at least close to that, right? Um, but even then, like, so I live in um, SoCal um, in the main city of LA. <laughs> and um, it's it's pretty much the same here, you know? I think, although I do think that San Francisco or at least in the SoCal area is a little bit worse, you know? Um, Right here, it's everything that's kind of happening over there is coming down here. It's it's, it's basically like a, it's a chain reaction, so it's it's definitely spreading to uh, SoCal area. And um, every, I mean, pretty much what she said, you know. I mean, the middle class families here are definitely um, suffering the most, for sure. And of course, of course, low low class families. But I feel like, you know the balance of our economy is middle-class families, you know? Um, they're the ones that have the businesses, they're the ones that give jobs to, or even like the high-class um, citizens as well, you know? But the middle-class is the one that actually like, you know, puts back into the economy. They're the ones like that go and <laughs> they balance it basically. Absolutely, what yeah, I get what you're saying. So it's, it's definitely tough um, just coming from um, and, you know, as you guys know, like I come from um, an immigrant family. Uh, my parents came here as immigrants in the U.S. Um, back in like the 80s. So I'm a child of that. So I totally have this very uh, close connection and experience with, you know, what it is um, when it comes to like immigration policies and whatnot. So um, I understand them very well. And Melissa's right, you know, um, it's pretty crazy here, <laughs> I think, because our our border, our borders, like especially in San Diego, is so close, you know, to um, the Mexican border. And um, there is definitely a lot of crime happening here. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's getting worse. I mean, I, in the area that I live in, I've never seen it so bad. I've been, we've been living there for like 20 years, you know? So just kind of like seeing how things have been changing for the last year or two. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. Like I, this is, so I don't want to say exactly where I live, obviously, but I definitely live in the so-called hood, you know? Um, <laughs> so um, I grew up in two parts of LA. So I grew up like in the West side for, the, for most part of my childhood. I went to school there, all that. And then uh, my parents bought a house in uh, South Central. So, okay. um, you know, really decent property, everything, right? My parents 
parents did really well for themselves, considering that they weren't even from the U.S., you know, and they really, they worked in, they worked to get to where they were, you know, they contributed to society, they adapted American culture, um, they basically just, you know, really assimilated. So, um, in a lot of people, Melissa has, you know, been to my, my house and she's, met my family and she's she knows like the area that I live in and um a lot of graffiti <laughs> a lot of liquor stores um more than healthy stores you know um so just I I've never felt so unsafe honestly in within the within these last two years because I like again like I said we've been living here for 20 years now it's easier. and it's easier for them I've you know we've been surrounded by a lot of violence in general, sure. you know, but I've never felt so unsafe these last two years than I have in the two year, 20 years now that I've been living there, which is ironic, right? But like, we've, my family, my parents have decided to like build a huge fence, you know, we have this huge, like, <laughs> you can't even see in our house anymore. Um, we have cameras up, we have literally spotlights everywhere, um, you know. <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> my brother got my brother got his license, you know, to uh, to buy, um, you know, a gun, and um, it's maybe that's a little bit much, honestly. But like, when you're living in California, <laughs> you really have to, um, you know, considering that yeah. at least if you're well aware, like if you really know what's going on, like if you listen to the news, like not mainstream news, but if you like do your research and you like listen to. Um, you know what's really going on and within our government here in California like you you really start to to realize and notice like the different the the huge um I guess like I guess the 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 differences between like what was going on in the early 2000s and sure. now you know like <laughs> I, I've never thought growing up in like the 90s and 2000s that I would ever be in the position that I am now being like an American know being um uh you know hispanic and being um just growing up uh thinking that i you know can do so much here in this in this country let alone california you know um a lot of immigrants come to la la is one of uh, or at least um california is one of like those states that a lot of immigrants um gravitate towards you know for for, for work essentially and because like in general um, they have a very, yeah, but also like, um, our society is very mixed. We have a lot of like different cultures here. We, we, we're really good at embracing people's cultures here in Spanish, you know, uh, in general, like the language, a lot of people here speak, even if you have no <laughs> Hispanic blood sure. in you, right? You still have, in Texas, I'm sure it's the same way, right? You know, we have a strong, um, connection to, um, you know, just general Latino roots, right? Culture. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, you know, um, I just never thought that I would ever be like, I guess, suppressed or oppressed by our government here. Honestly, and again, that might be dramatic to say, but like, but that's, but man, that's your, I, that's your experience. That's your experience though, of yeah, living there and whether you're in, in NorCal, you're in SoCal, SoCal, sorry. Um, like that's that's just the experience that y'all are in right now 
Um, yeah, he's, he's in a more populated place than I am. So you see what I'm dealing with on a ten, like a 10 times scale. Um, I visit her mm-hmm. like once every few months and she'll come up here and visit me. And um, I also have a, my office is in Pasadena. And so um, I'll go through the rural neighborhoods as well into Orange County um, or into the East LA area. And um, it's just as bad. And um, it's it's getting to the point where if you're a single female in California, you're better off carrying a weapon with you, um, considering that there's no punishments now for sexual assault yeah. victims. It's not considered a violent crime anymore with the new yeah. passing laws. Um, it's also not cyber stalking, bullying, um, cyber uh, crimes against females as far as uh, revenge porn and things like that are not considered any type of punishable crime. You get fined and you're on your way. Uh, we literally just had a sex offender move across the street from us. We weren't even notified. Now we have small, small children. I'm friends with everybody in this neighborhood. Like all, all the moms and all the dads, we get along fine. Um, my bet, like one of my best friends lives like really across the way from me. And my mom lives next door to me. And um, none of us were notified. And this guy uh, is a bad dude. He's a bad dude. He's on Megan's Law. That's how I found out about it. I just checked Major- Megan's Law one day. And Megan's Law is a website in California that you can check to see how many sex offenders are around you. And they let out so many. And they're not, they can't even keep up with telling people what neighborhoods they're moving into. And they're having trouble yeah. tracking them at all. Same here. I just found out recently that there's like four of them living in my on my block. And I'm like, what yeah. the hell? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just found out recently. So let's yeah. it's, it's scary. So what what I want to do is um, we I mean you gave me some you've given you've given myself and the listeners um, just a little um, snippet of sorts of of like your experience <laughs> and like kind of connecting that to what we're seeing in this particular story um, on Deep Space Nine. So the way that this starts, and I'm going to do like kind of a drive-by fruiting of some of this stuff. Um, with this particular episode, we have um, um, Cisco, we have Bashir, Dax, and company. We have Kira, we have um, mm-hmm. O'Brien on the on the Defiant, um, and uh, it starts off with a commander's log um, where uh, Commander Cisco, not quite a captain yet, is talking about um, how his senior staff um, and himself have been invited to this symposium of sorts. Um, to address things going on with the Gamma Quadrant. And um, so they're on their way there, which is like Starfleet Command, um, Starfleet Headquarters, all that stuff is in San Francisco. So they're, they're on their way, and then they, they beam down, thinking that they're beaming down to this symposium, and when in fact they're actually been transported three, 300 years in the past without even realizing it. And that's when this story picks up and they're separated. We have Bashir, um, who's the doctor. We have Cisco, who's our main character essentially, um, off on one side of the tracks, basically. And then we have um, Jadzia Dax, who's the science officer, who's elsewhere. And Jadzia's kind of like knocked out, like they're all like very disoriented, wondering where the heck they are. And they finally, like as the story progresses, they realize, oh shoot, we are, days away from this thing called the Bell Riots and yeah. which is one of the most violent moments of the 21st century 
which is also coincidentally one of the the things that really jumpstarts things for what's going to eventually be this future humanity without even realizing it. Right. So, um, two, two different sides of the tracks. So, like, um, I know we've kind of talked about this in the chat, but like, you know, Jadzia, um, she's, you know, kind of hanging out with like this Bill Gates, Elon Musk, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos kind of character um, throughout the story. <laughs> And then Bashir and Cisco are kind of having to fend for themselves and just survive throughout this story. So, I mean, what were your what was all y'all's takes on the way that this story was structured with like what those care how those characters were separated and how they were having to, I guess, quote unquote, deal with it. One, I really hope if Starfleet does become a reality that they do not base in San Francisco because that would suck. <laughs> so our <laughs> power years in the past. will go through the roof as more than they already are. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> I know I was, was actually I was a little Florida. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> um but as far as the, what I saw with the first few minutes of the episode and what I remember was um, there was a particle problem in the transporter and they ended up being beamed back in time to 2024 in the middle of San Francisco. Anybody who's been to San Francisco will tell you uh, here in 2021, three years ahead of time, um, the city um, is nothing like it used to be. It used to kind of be um, almost like a beacon of light for certain types of people and then you have the you know you have the 1960s where it became like the capital of love and weed you know and and then um the hippies came and you had you know you had this this culture of peace and love and and that you see all over you know like woodstock 1969 you see everybody you know wanting to go to san francisco after woodstock and and then um it steadily declined after that. Um, and, you know, when I was a teenager, um, I used to go to San Francisco a lot because at that time it was only 45 minutes from my house. So we'd jump in the car and we'd go hang out in San Francisco because um, there was street vendors and there was lots of restaurants and there was lots of things to do. And the art colleges were out there and you have UCSF and you have Golden Gate Park and everything was cool and uh, there was a lot of lots and lots of things to do and now um the homeless have taken over um you there's so many regulations you can't park in san francisco at all and really? uh, you would have oh unless you want to pay 60 dollars and get your car broken into um you have to take, take the bart in which is kind of like the subway system for san francisco um and uh, that um, is a mess. The homeless people just ride on the bar all day long and harass people. Um, I went to New York uh, two and a half weeks ago. And I will tell you their subways are 10 times cleaner than San Francisco's in New York. <laughs> so, um, and there are people just living on the streets. Every street is, is disgusting. People are no longer walking the streets. They have the AT&T Giants Park, which is beautiful. And they have Golden Gate Park is has been taken over by 
just people have been murdered and de decapitated at that park. I'm, I'm not wow. kidding. That's kind of crazy. So, I mean, like you, you look in um, the movie Voyage Home, and that's where um, Kirk and, and his crew they actually park the uh, the cloaked uh, bird of prey is in Golden Gate Park. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look like that anymore. It's very well maintained as far as for looks on the outside, but um, if you are any type of a person, female, or if you're a young person alone or an old person, anybody going there alone, don't. It's dangerous. Um, and the the city has become nothing but a cash grab for people. Um, like I said, in San Francisco, you can't eat at restaurants without having a vaccination card. Some people, um, uh, some bars are doing that. There's a lot of like uh, different types of bars. Um, we went to, not that long ago, we went to the Asian uh, market there and a lot of them have shut down because they don't have business. Um, I work in property management and part of my job is to find buildings to help lease out and uh, there's more buildings available in San Francisco for leasing, but they can't seem to lease them because they're being overtaken yeah. by homeless people are squatting in them and they will not evict them they won't remove them. And we just had our building here in Sacramento had the same thing happen. And um, and it's just kind of declining into chaos, really. And what I saw at the beginning of that was very, very close, like how this, they had separated people into this one section of the city. That's what San Francisco is right now. You There's there's so many people on the streets and, and people who need help and people with mental issues who are sick and ill uh, who can't get medical supplies who can't get any type of help the hospitals are overwhelmed um, understaffed um, underfunded and um, the food closets are aren't even trying they're trying to get food out but because the state of california is so great at getting people food stamps people sell their food stamps for drugs instead of buying food with it um so it's 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 feeding into um, the growth of crime and the that you know society has declined in San Francisco and the surrounding areas to even live within 25 miles of San Francisco you would have to make at least six to six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to be able to afford to live anywhere near that or Silicon Valley. It's yeah. it's so crazy, like just everything that that Melissa is saying, um, you know, just. Like I said, like that first, even like when um, Cisco and Bashir, when they land, um, or at least being like right there in San Francisco and they're taken to the sanctuaries and um, quote unquote, the sanctuaries, um, it's it's just like, so there's there's a toss up of like gimmies, right? The gimmies are people who are just looking for help, looking for um, jobs, like Melissa's saying, right? And then the Dems, the people who are sick need medical help specifically. And then there's um, also the ghosts who are like these bad criminals that are just kind of just in the mix of everything because for some reason, like we're just letting these criminals, um, like we were talking about earlier, just letting these criminals, you know, without any, like letting them out without any consequences, you know? So um, it's very similar. It's exactly like that, you know? The sanctuary is these neighborhoods, you know? Um, where families, normal families, just live, you know, and um, I thought it was so interesting that Cisco was like, 
oh, um, the U.S. will finally fix the problems and get rid of the encampments, you know? And I was like, in the right in the beginning of like the, the episodes um, when he was, when I think was, Bashir was like confused as to like what was going on, you know? And Cisco, because he's just so well versed, well versed in like history, you know, he was kind of just, I think he was trying to give um, Bashir like some hope, right? So, um, I just thought that was like right off the bat. I was like, oh man, that would be nice. <laughs> so, because um, it's not just California, you know, I mean, there's a lot of similar things happening in a lot of other states, I'm sure, you know, like you said, you know, Dallas, you know, so. Right. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah, there was, um, there was a part in here, um, kind of jumping around, but it, it was talking about, um, uh, like seeing like the the people with like mental illness the people like with um just like down their luck like in these sanctuary cities like yeah. um this conversation between Cisco and Bashir like don't people care yeah. um and the thing and the and the conversation goes in such a way that's like they they stopped caring yeah. basically and and that's something that I'm painting with broad strokes on this so like I don't want people in listener land to think that I'm just like putting everyone in the same box or saying this is how it is. But by and large, we are seeing more and more people in our society not caring about one another um, as much. Um, um, You know, we were talking about um, the show Yellowstone at the very, very beginning of this thing. And um, this isn't really a spoiler, but like... um, the end of season three ends with John Dutton helping someone from California change a tire because they don't know how to change a tire. Yeah. And, and um, the person's like, and the person's like, I feel personally attacked. And the person's like, I don't have any money to give you. And he's like, you know, around here we do things because it's the right thing to do. Um, right. In other words, we do things because we care. 